0: Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Osiris.
1: Hey, this is O'Teal. If you're liking what you're hearing, head on over to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get your bus pass for an extra episode every week.
2: Welcome back to another episode of Comes a Time. That's O'Teal. That's Mike. And we have... I'm so excited about this episode. Dr. Jan Pohl from The Incredible Dr. Pol, uh, which is streaming on the Disney app and 10 seasons now of uh, him and his family business in Michigan, uh, veterinary service, farm animal service, and just one of the most exuberant, li- lively, energetic People I've ever seen in my life, and I'm I'm addicted to the show, and I'm so happy we had him on.
1: Yeah, he even does some wild animals. He was saying yeah. with what was it DNR, and uh yeah, fascinating. I love when he starts talking about the animal intelligence and animal telepathy and all that. You know, we definitely hit on a lot of our favorite themes. <laughs> yeah, it comes a time just naturally <laughs> somehow it keeps happening. 50 you know. years of
2: doing anything, you're going to be
1: like a heightened level of it, right? I mean, well, no matter what. Especially working with sentient beings. I mean, he really, yeah. How Remember how he said, oh, my fingers can see. You know, I I don't want to ruin it all. I no just, you guys, watch it. But that was like that was cool. Yeah, and he just blew right <laughs> by it. Like obviously his fingers <laughs> can see. What to not Like your fingers don't see. <laughs> These fingers can see what's going on. When I it's like, <laughs> I believe you. Man. Yeah, it's so crazy. But no, it was really
2: incredible to have him. And he's got a great book out and a ton of like great resources on his website. I was finding out like, I think if you just Google Doctor Pole, you'll uh, be able to um, find his. I think he, he, you know, he he's very um, adamant and a proponent of all natural foods and what you put into your body is, you know. Prior to recording, we were talking about how like just cancer seems to be running rampant in the animal world. Like every, do- I remember growing yeah. up and everyone's dog was seventeen, eighteen years old,
1: yep. and now six,
2: seven, eight years old. They're getting
1: sick, so they're eating that. Uh- factory processed, processed
2: garbage yeah it's coming down the yep. same assembly line with soap and razors and everything else so anyway you guys enjoy this episode dr pole's the man and uh thank you for joining us doc as always we're here on osiris osirispod.com for all of the amazing podcasts here with the osiris family and uh, a lot of fun stuff happening over on patreon too so head on over to patreon.com slash and uh step in a wormhole or two have a great week, and uh, stay safe, everyone We always talk music, and uh, it's always interesting to see you know country music is something that you know, from the music that we love. All the roots music, everything that kind of feeds into today, just like with science and veterinary medicine and everything. Like you know, it's the 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 looking at fifty years now. You've been practicing veterinary yes. medicine. Congratulations yes. on Thank that. Thank you. That's amazing. Thank you. That is. And and your practices feed into what we learn today, just like you know, country and jazz and everything feeds yes. into music from today.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm into so f- bluegrass and stuff. I actually play banjo.
3: Oh bluegrass, yeah. I love that too.
1: Yeah, it, I it, love all the good music.
3: See, the, the thing is I cannot sing along with jazz or, or rock, but I can sing along with <laughs> bluegrass and, and country music. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. And country Thank has you. these
1: great country has these great stories too. Yeah. That are just, you know, priceless. Yeah. Thank no, you. I love it all. I love good. blues, jazz, and country, bluegrass, reggae rock folk yes. <laughs> I grew up yeah. playing everything so that's yeah. why I, you I know, kind of hey, fly, it's li- like a buffet to me
3: Yeah but listen you know the folks was in the 70s you know yes. that's when folk music came in you yes. know and I and I just read an, uh, an article from uh, Paul who's the only one left from Peter Paul and Mary
4: Yeah
3: man I love that those three you know yeah. and then the seven deputy singers were another bunch like that oh they were fantastic
2: It is wild, too. There's an amazing documentary you might love called Greenwich Village in the 60s, and it's all about the West Village of New York City and where Peter, Paul, and Mary and and all of those groups, Bob Dylan got his start, Joan Baez, and- how it was just such a such a different scene, you know? And that was yes. NYU and, and all of that. Yeah. And you could get an apartment for 10 bucks a week
3: <laughs> in New York City. Yeah. And now everybody is gone. But yes.
2: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So you have music playing constantly? Do you, love, do you have it just kind of on in the office? I know with the TV cameras, you probably can't. No, but.
3: no. We, we have music. The, we have little radios, but it, you know the, the office personnel, you know, has it on but very softly, so it doesn't bother. Right now, they're doing the remote cameras because uh, okay. uh, Netgeo Wild and Netgeo got bothered by Disney. And Disney is very strict. There is no contact between crew uh, and yeah. staff. Right. So now we have you know, remote cameras in two rooms and in other places. And to be honest, we don't even know when we'll be filmed sometimes. They tell uh-huh. us many times, yeah, okay, we're gonna be filmed, but we don't have the big camera in the corner of the room. You know, sticking in our face. They sit now in their own little office with the little joysticks. And when I see what they do, is how in the world do you do them with those old cameras? Well, like I said, I'm not the technician with cameras, I'm a veterinarian.
2: <laughs> the robo cameras. Yeah, we recently oh, yeah. filmed we recently filmed for impractical jokers, uh, and we do an, another show called After Party that's kind of like a post-game, you know, like looking yeah. at the episode. Yes. And we recorded it in New Jersey and we all had to the protocol we had to go through. I mean, I'm happy about it because it keep, keeps everybody safe. But yes, you know, a, an N95 mask and then a shield, and then you know, signing in and out and keeping you know that anything you touch, making sure. And we had actually officials, COVID officials, on site, kind of penalizing us. You know, throwing a flag if we if we were too close. Yeah, and they would come separate us. So yeah, it's it's a whole different world for sure when it comes to the yes. TV stuff.
3: Well, that is something like what we had already many years ago. With these big the conglomerates that uh, raise pigs, because pigs have a lot of diseases, and many of those places it is shower in, shower out. Right. You walk in with your clothes, you strip, you take a shower, put their coveralls on, you do your work, you come back out, you their their clothes go in the in the wash, you take another shower, and you put your own clothes back on. Yeah. I hate to do it several times a day because you have no skin left. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's already been, yeah, like I said, 30, 40 years when, you know, those big concerns came that raises pigs.
2: Yeah. We, uh, we, we love watching the way that, you know, I think about the fit, you know, you've been practicing now 50 years, right? Yes. And in watching your show, one of the, most enjoyable elements of the show is that you keep your maybe original practices alive. And instead of, you know, I watch you either like, you know, bring a new calf into the world and you have that kind of machine that you put on the back legs, like the butt cheeks and you crank (laughs) it and your son's behind you pulling and you take your shirt off and you get right in there and it's just, I love the, like, kind of throwback yeah. to it all. Like, well,
3: that's, it. yeah, throwback. But see, I was born and raised in the Netherlands and with a school in Utrecht, which is one of the better schools in the world. <clears throat> I can't say that. So, But this is what they taught us over there. Take your shirt off because, well, it was all guys. We only had five girls and 100 students there. But take your shirt off because when you roll you close up. You only can get in that far. You take your shirt off. You can go up to your neck oh inside God. these animals. And yes, this is no. Listen, this is how I got started. There's a book out. Never turn your back on an Angus cow. We wrote that. That's a different. But when I was 12 years old, I was tall and skinny, and my brother had some small pigs that were not supposed to be pregnant, and they were. The local veterinarian was that one of those typical large animal, huge guys. With you know. Anyway, he picks me up. He says, you come with me and you help me pull those pigs out. So here I'm laying in the straw behind those sows, honestly, up that far in those wow. sows, trying to get those little pigs coming through. <laughs> wow. And you know what? That was so much fun. <laughs> I like that. It. It's not dirty. It's very, very clean inside. So, you know, I said, I came back and said, that was fun. I told my mom and dad, and this is, you know, it would be nice to become a veterinarian. And that's how it actually started. Wow! Just just by uh, the local veterinarian that picked me up because I was tall and skinny and (laughs) busy and then went to school. And this is honestly, that's what they did. You know, uh, both (laughs) hands (laughs) are both hands in the cow, because you cannot do it with one hand. You need two hands in there. And you know, stripped to the waist because that's how he gets father in. And your skin washes a lot easier, according to Diane, than the clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: In the middle of the freezing cold in Michigan, and these I mean, cows you,
3: are hundred and two degrees. They're warm.
2: Like, yeah, it's like putting your arms <laughs> in a greenhouse.
3: <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: Wow. <laughs> so-
2: we had o- otiel Who? Where was? Um. The, um. Oh, man, his name is escaping me. Um, the, our astrophysicist guest. Avi Loeb. Avi Loeb. Was he yeah. from the
1: Netherlands as well? Uh, he's from Israel.
3: He, was but from he Israel. grew up
1: on a farm. Yes. He grew up on a farm. In Israel.
3: Yeah. In, yes. Israel. yeah. In Israel.
1: Yeah. I'm such a city boy. I'm like, wow.
3: <laughs> Come on out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got to tell you this. The, the crew always wants to know what it feels like inside a cow. i I
1: guess they do after a while
3: you know so anyway you know yes it's 102 degrees and we have the plastic glove and when we do pregnancy checks so this guy reaches in there and you know he said just feel but that's it you know because yes my left hand i can see with my fingers i can pick up a pregnancy in a cow well the youngest one was 26 days horses 15 days i can tell if they're pregnant or not with, wow. his finger, with his fingers. So anyway, he comes out, and you know that glove is green from you know what. Yeah. And he says, high five. <laughs> Not in my book. In my- <laughs> he, was, he was green from top to bottom. I laughed so hard. He didn't appreciate it. He had to throw away his shirt and all that stuff. But, you know, that's the fun part of it. But yes, if you if you want to feel what it's inside the cow, come on over.
1: I will one day for sure. <laughs> Do it. It's I've been um, thinking about it a lot lately because you know, as as we watch this dystopian <laughs> nightmare kind of rise up in society, I'm like. <laughs> You know, I start thinking about my friends that are just on farms and stuff, growing their own food, animals. I'm like, yes. Maybe you need to get back to it, Oteo. Like well, yep. get a jump on it, you know. Yeah.
3: We had the <laughs> lockdown here in Michigan, but when you live out in the country, you know, you can yeah. walk outside. Yeah. You know, the Netherlands is still locked down very much. And actually, really? yeah, it's it's terrible there, but it's getting a little bit better. But the neighbors would borrow the dog from a dog owner to take a walk down the street because the dog has to go outside to go to the bathroom. So they could walk outside for a little while. (laughs) Leave it up to the Dutch. (laughs) (laughs) At what age did
2: you leave um, the Netherlands?
3: Okay. That's all in that book. Never turn you back on the Angus cow. But my sister moved to Canada in 1955. She was 21 years old, got married. Her husband wanted to farm. And I was by far the youngest. The next one above me was six and a half years older. So I was, my parents were old and I wanted to get my parents to Canada to see where my sister was. So there was a chance to become an exchange student when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, the, the English teacher that we had was very good. She was very calm, very good, complete. Yes, the one of the better teachers that I ever had. And she says, you know, That is an experience for you guys. Why don't you do it? Five of us applied for becoming an exchange student with, at that time, the Mission Council of Churches, which is now Youth for Understanding. Okay. And that was, yeah, a year. So there were 20 Dutch people. That came to the United States, to Michigan, and about 80 Germans and a couple others. And we flew from Amsterdam to Ireland and sat there for eight hours because there was something wrong with the prop plane. Finally came to Detroit, and that was in 1961. So that was the first time I came here. Wow. was here for a year. I stayed with Diane and her parents. And Diane and I, Diane is an only child. And basically, I was two, they say, because there was so much you know, so many years between us. Yeah, But we had a lot of things in common. I went back to the Netherlands. She went to Michigan State for a code for teaching. I went to become a veterinarian in Utrecht in the Netherlands. But we kept on writing a little bit. We dated other people. But nah, they, for some reason, they didn't measure up. And then in 64, yeah, my father uh, got bone cancer. There again, where does it come from? He was only 68 years old. And at the old says, you want to meet my parents one more time? Because she had met him while I was an exchange student. So she comes over in 64 when we were, yeah, taking care of my dad at home. We didn't have hospice or anything. So my mother and I were taking care of my dad, who was in very much pain. And Diane was just, you know, cleaning the house, doing some cooking. And that's when you really know that you can depend on each other. Yeah. So after that, we started writing once a week. And yes, it was getting serious. Uh, 66, I was back here and we got engaged. 67, my my uh, family from Canada came over. My mother came over. And I got married and both of us went back to the Netherlands for me to finish school. Mm-hmm. So yes, 61, 62, I was here. 66, 67. And then in 70, after I graduated, we came directly back to Michigan. So in 70, I, I immigrated. And seventy one on my father in law's birthday was the very first day of work.
2: <laughs> so yes, and no looking back since. <laughs> no looking back since. Yes. Wow, that's amazing. That's perfect. Well, you know what I appreciate about that too, and and uh, Otel and I talk about that this quite a bit, and I love your your thoughts on it. Is this kind of common sense uh, notion? Yes. America yes. and how common sense seems to be gone and we're trying our best to bring it back, <laughs> you know, and good uh, luck
3: See, Good luck is right. <laughs> this is the thing we were in school. We didn't have all the machines. We could do a lot blood work, but it was one test at a time. Instead of now you take a little blood sample, stick it in the machine and vroom, here they come a dozen tests or more mm. all with the same sample. And in 10 minutes, you know, we had to sit there and shake the reagents together and you know, do one test at a time. So we had five senses. Now help me out. You know, we see, we hear, we feel, we smell, and we taste. Taste is dead last though. No. I, I I, have to say that. <laughs>
0: Especially <laughs> but, as a vet. <laughs> as a
3: vet. Oh yeah. But yes, I've used it and I'll tell you that in a minute. So these are, this is what they told us, you know, look at the animal, feel them. And this is the same thing. You know, I can palpate a dog many times and then feel lumps inside that, yeah, then you confirm it with an X-ray or an ultrasound. But this is the first physical exam that I do, which is, yeah, the five senses that I use. Mm. And talk about taste. You know, I've seen cows where 104 temperature, high temperature, can't fight anything. You feel the bag, The you no know, the other, can't feel anything. And then you look at the milk, wait a minute. And then you put a little bit of milk on your hand and you stick your tongue in there. And when it's salty, she's coming down with mastitis. Didn't learn mm. that in school. That was an old farmer that told me. Mm. Awesome. And, and I've had it many times, you know, not every day, of course, but yes. And you taste that little bitty milk and these. It's salty, and then you get mastitis. And these calves that are on the cow, they know darn well. That's salty, don't touch it. And you see these beef cows sometimes with three empty quarters, and the fourth one is that big around, and yeah, that's mastitis. So milk it out. (laughs) I know. They know. They have a good taste. Milk has to be sweet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's just you just got to use logic sometimes, you know. Yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Well that's uh, that's one of the most you know in, in the thing I enjoy so much about the, the program and watching you know the way that you deal with from a kitten all the way to a bull is like you know you just have this this <laughs> you have yes. a presence about you that it's yeah. you know th- there's not that fear or intimidation or you pop right in slap it on if, the butt and <laughs> if
3: you're scared if you're scared of an animal they know it if you're scared of a horse you can't treat it. Hmm. Case in point, a couple of years ago, this lady comes in with a pit bull cross. And she's sitting in the waiting room. There was before COVID. And the dog is between her legs underneath the chair. I open the door and he lunges at me. Hmm. And I'm looking at it. And hmm. I said, I'm not touching you. I says to the lady, he says, can you handle the dog? No, she says, I'm a little afraid of it. Uh. I says it was routine, vaccinations, all this stuff. I said, okay, go home, bring your husband. A week later they came in. The husband, the wife, two kids, and the dog. He puts the dog on the table. The dog has friendly licks my face. It's just completely different. Yeah. And that was because the dog knew she was scared, so he was protecting her. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Wow. They feel it, that sixth sense that we don't have. Animals have, case in point, oh, I left, I'm full of stories. I hope you don't mind.
2: No, tell them, tell them.
3: (laughs) Yes. We have Hopewell Ranch here, which is a nonprofit where they have animals to help people with mental, physical, or whatever disabilities. Mm -hmm. And they, she told me, this was one of the the craziest things. This eight-year-old lady, this eight-year-old girl is autistic. Never talks. She comes there, that horse walks up to her, takes her like protective between the front legs and her head hanging over. So she's standing, you know, in between the front legs of the horse with that horse head in front of her. Wow. And she starts petting that horse. And within 15 minutes, she's talking to that horse.
4: Man. Wow.
3: See? That horse knows.
1: Yeah.
3: Just recently, we were in. in a a conference in florida with the spirit horse international that is a umbrella organization that tries to get all these organizations set up for you know the tax-free and all that stuff there was a gentleman lawyer he was 35 years old when he had a massive stroke laying in bed can't talk can't walk so, yes, a little physical therapy, and they tell him you never walk again. Some reason or other, they get him to one of these places with therapy horses. And he talked very slow and clear because everything is not working. And he says he was scared stiff. He never touched the horse before, and they put him on top of that horse. <laughs> but you sit on top of a horse, you keep, have to keep your balance. And they made him do exercises. There were three people in the horse, one leading the horse and two sidewalkers, as they call it. Yeah. And I don't know how many years ago that is. He ran the 5k virtual in 31 minutes. Wow. Thanks to the horses. And I he's back. It. And he's back to work as a lawyer. Amazing. And, Amazing. and This is this is what animals do to people. I always say, you know. No, I'm not afraid. I was (laughs) I was working for 22, no, more than that, with a rodeo outfit. Now, a rodeo, these horses and these bulls are trained to get that cowboy off their back. Honestly, they are trained to do it. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know why these people climb on top of a bull and try to, (laughs) you know, sit there for eight seconds. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> while the clown is in a barrel. <laughs> but if if they were not the clown, they would be dead. I know. That's the, oh, yeah. These very true. Are, oh, my gosh. I've seen, you know, the, the cowboy had knocked off the bull, and he is almost laying there flat, half conscious. And I've seen that clown sitting on top of the rider with the bull trying to do it and slap that bull with his hands. Over the eyes. Boom, 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 boom. Until the ball backed off. <laughs> and I was sitting there. Huh? Yeah. Oh Yeah. Insane no. clown posse. Not, not me. Not me. Wow. I know Hell what no. they can they do. But I always say, look the animal in the eye. And they know, I, then they'll tell you whether they're going to attack you, whether they're going to run, and what. And the main thing is, don't be threatening. With these, yeah. these rodeo bulls and horses, if you are threatening, they'll get you. Yeah. But if you just you know stand still and not threatening, yes, they'll walk away. But uh, yeah, I've worked with them for twenty some years and learned a lot from them. I tell you.
1: Uh, do you feel like because I think people are a lot of people are telepathic and we're kind of taught to not believe it or not recognize it or not foster it or whatever, do you feel like yours has increased working with the animals or were you already I th- in touch with it?
3: I was in touch with it, but yes, it increases and it, it still does every day because, yeah, the, 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 the feeling, like I said, look them in the eye and you know what's going on many times. But also, how should I say that? Yes, you, I was at the place one time and they had a sick cow and the farmer wasn't there. And the cows were in the pasture outside by the barn. So I walk in the, in the pasture and out of, you know, 50 cows, I look around, I pick out the sick one and bring it in the barn. Hmm. And the guy says to me, how do you know? He says, well, yeah, you know, he acts sick. Don't ask. Him. I, I know. <laughs> Don't ask. <laughs> and, I and just yes, know. Yeah. yeah. And that's <laughs> here. Yeah. That's experience. And you can't help it.
1: Wow. Uh, do think, you ever have to... Oh, sorry. Go no, 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 no. Go, yes. go ahead. I was wondering, do you ever have to deal with wild animals? Do you ever yes. have to treat wild animals? Yeah.
3: Uh, yeah. Wild, wild. Uh, I work with the DNR a little bit, but yeah, sometimes more than others. Was um, that the Department
2: of Natural Resources? Yes, so th- yes, yeah. yeah.
3: And uh, yeah, some people bring things here, but there again, you got to be careful. And... I've had many times they bring in a bird, and yeah, some of those those hawks are you know pretty pretty dangerous. But there again, these animals are not stupid, and they brought in an owl. time, one of those big owls,
1: the great horned owl. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
4: Geez. And
3: uh, yes, and you know they're that big. That'll get you. And uh, I he had I don't know what it was, but you know you got to feed them. Yeah. And, uh, so the first couple of days I put meat on a forceps and let him eat it. The third day I handed it to him because he knew I was feeding him and he would, he will not bite the hand that feeds him. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's, it's fun working with animals. I love it.
2: You know, and it's interesting too, because it's like that set, that other sense that you were talking about that we get kind of maybe distracted. From it as humans, because our yes. ego and our you know Burger King and all these other <laughs> you know things that get in the way, uh, all the noise and chatter. Animals are always seem to be right there in the present moment. Yes, and they just and, and they don't yeah. care about the past and the future. No, nope. <laughs> they're just here yeah. now.
3: That's exactly right. You know, and this is what uh, what comes in the show also. You know, like the cows. You know, some people say, "Oh, these cows are always in the barn." No, an animal. And even these, these, these domesticated animals, horses, cows, everything, first they want is safety. They want to be safe. Mm. And then they need food. We provide that. They are safe in the barn. And, oh, I tell you, one time, we have bears here in Michigan. And uh, I came to a farm one time where the cows were just crazier than a loon. And I said, what happened? Oh, uh, a bear walked by the barn last night. Oh, And the yeah. cows were in the stanchion to the barn. They scared them all. See, that's the thing. These, the animals, the domesticated animals, don't have like lions, big teeth and claws that they can defend themselves. Basically, like pigs, the only thing they can do is run and scream. Yeah. So the first they do is scream. You touch them, they scream.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: You, know, you brush their back and want to be nice, they scream. Because that's their defense. And I saw on uh, National Geographic where a lion was trying to catch one of those half-grown wild pigs in Africa. And th- th- the funny thing was, he was screaming bloody murder, run like the dickens, and suddenly made a 90-degree angle. And the <laughs> lion shot over. Wow. So that lion comes back up, chases him. And that happened five, six times. finally, the lion says, the heck with that. I'll get something easier. That's how they get away, run and scream. Right. And, and yeah, that's all they can do. So what we do is we provide safety for them, we feed them, and they are happy. Yeah. Well, and you're think, nice
1: to
2: them. And you're yes. nice to them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, absolutely. You guys are so, you and your staff, it seems like just have that, you're tuned right into that sixth sense where that animal, even the farmers are like, I don't know how to even approach this animal. And you just walk right in there.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, look them in the eye. You can tell. Yeah. But we had it with the crew because, you know, beef cows are not as tame as the dairy cows. And we had a beef cow that was trying to have a calf. And they couldn't catch it for three days. Wow. (laughs) Three days? (laughs) Yes. So finally, they catch it. And the crew is there before I am. So one of the filmers asked, how tame is that cow? And the farmer's son jokes, he's, all oh, it's tame. You can walk right up and pat oh. his head. So he walks in the pasture. And the next thing, boom, he's on his back. The camera is flying away. Oh. And the cow is turning around trying to get him. So he got out of there fast. So I was so mad at him. Says nobody gets in the pen or the pasture without me being there. Because I know what that cow is going to do. But you guys, you city boys, don't <laughs> <laughs> stay behind your camera. <laughs> yeah, stay behind, stay behind the camera and tell I'll tell you where to go. And <laughs> this is the thing. When Charles came here 10 years ago and said, Dad, we should make a reality show about you. I said, Charles, why me? I'm an old guy. I do it my way. We will be criticized. And who the heck wants to see me take my shirt off? <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> A lot of people do. <laughs> Ten people seasons do. later. Yeah. Yes, unbelievable. Ten years later, twenty seasons. But That's anyway, <laughs> he he's, he set the format of the show. He says, "Dad, do your work." That is interesting enough, especially with a large animal, because you know how many people don't really know what goes on on the farm. And and this is the thing, you know, farmers are taking care of their animals. Case in point, many years ago, I was just starting here. Here is this, this six and a half, seven foot guy who wants to milk cows. And he starts with about twenty cows. And he sent me out to pregnancy check some of his cows. When I get there, he has a two by four in the hand and beats the cows with the two by four. Oh, and you know, the minute that you reach for those cows, they came up with both hind legs. So it was dangerous for me to pregnancy check them. And I got so mad. I'm standing there looking up in his face. And if you hit these cows one more time, I'm going to take that two-by-four and beat you to (laughs) pee. He listened to me. I don't know how. He put the two-by-four away. I pregnancy checked the cows. I got out of there alive. Six months later, the guy's bankrupt because he did not take care of his animals. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't milk for him. So I hope he worked in a factory. He was tall enough to do anything there. Yeah. But, you know, this is the thing. If if you don't take care of your animals, they will not take care of you. And, and this is why, why we had so many family farms. When I started here 40 years ago, I was 80% dairy. There were family farms, two or three, four every mile. But it's a 24-7 job. Mm. And, and many kids don't. And it doesn't pay enough anymore either because... You know, all the prices have gone up, but the milk price is still very low. So, yes, now you see the bigger the the farm, the less we do. And they have contracts that they will deliver so many pounds of milk per day so that the big stores have a steady supply. And, yeah, the bigger the farm, the less we do. And I'm sorry to say that.
2: Thanks for listening. We'll be right back after this. Hey there,
4: Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at Smartwool. For more than 25 years, Smartwool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They're here to help you feel good. Now it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool. Go far.
1: Feel good. Thanks for listening. You know, my wife uh, showed me something recently because we're about to get a dog. Uh, and I had no idea how intelligent these dogs were. But they're, <laughs> little, they're little things that you could step on. And you step on one, it says water. or You step on one, it says let me go outside. So they can actually talk to you, and they figure out when they learn the words. This one dog knew like fifty-two words. Oh yeah! Now, I never really considered myself an animal person, but when I saw this dog, like pretty much like having a conversation <laughs> with its owner, I was like, I have to reevaluate my whole thing here. Like, I think I'm gonna be able to bond with this dog. We're about to get much yeah. more than I realized because I I wasn't giving them enough credit, I think. So I wanted to ask you about that, just like animal intelligence.
3: Unbelievable. Their their senses are so sharp that when we walk in the house and, you know, Diane is making stew, I smell, oh, that smells good. And I smell stew. Well, the dog comes in and he says, hmm, you got beef in there. Hmm. You got salt in there. Hmm. You got uh, this and that. He can smell the different things. Wow. And <laughs> the very funny thing was, uh, we, Aruba is a Dutch island, and I love to go there. And we came back one time, and because it's a Dutch island, I brought back one of those Dutch cheeses that are now available all over the place in my handbag, 20 okay. pounds. <laughs> and uh, so anyway... I was sitting there in Miami, waiting for the next plane. And here comes this policeman with his little beagle walking around and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I I didn't bring any drugs in. And suddenly I see that beagle go and walk away. (laughs) That policeman saw that that beagle reacted to my carry-on. So he makes a circle and comes back. And the dog then knew that it wasn't drugs. So he just keeps on walking. And by that time, I finally realized what was going on. And I started laughing so hard. <laughs> I had that thing in tinfoil, in plastic, in my carry-on. And he was six feet away and smelt the cheese. Wow. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: I tell you. You know, to that point that
2: Oteil brought up, too, you know, uh, I appreciate that you show uh, you don't shy away from the end of life uh, part of the, you know, of the of an
3: animal's. It's it's hard. It's hard. You know, uh, quality of life. I always tell owners that animals are not afraid to die. For them, it's part of life. Hmm. And especially dogs, they will tell you when it's time to go. And thank goodness God made it so that animals do not suffer. That time of dying is short, which is a blessing compared to what some people have. But we don't always know what's going on with the dog. And many times something already has progressed to a point of no return. And many times these dogs will know when it's their time and they become what I call aloof. You call them mm-hmm. and they turn away. I want no, I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. And yes, I have had to teach animal control officers in several counties here, how to euthanize animals. And we have you know euthanasia, which is an overdose of anesthetic with a heart poison. But when you get healthy dogs that run away and nobody wants them, that was many years ago also, you put the stuff in their vein, you get that panic look. And I couldn't do it. That is yeah. too much. And even now, what I have is a combination of three different tranquilizers that I mix up. And I give that an, an injection. It goes in the muscle. Yes, it hurts a little bit. But that's very short. Yeah. And within five, ten minutes, these animals are completely under, yeah, Anesthetic sleeping, no pain, no nothing. That's when they had the final injection. So yeah. when, when the when the owner comes with this animal that has to go put to sleep, he gets the injection, and you can see him just going to sleep while he's holding it.
1: Yeah, it's very and
3: peaceful. that gives and yes, and that gives the people, the owner, so much closure.
2: Absolutely.
3: And, Absolutely. And I can tell you a funny story about that. People people talk. And here come, this lady comes with a big Rottweiler in the back of her car that can't walk anymore. Not a client. But she has heard how we're doing it. So I'm going there and she you know, wanted to have it done in the car. So I tell her, yes, you know, I you know, give the dog a, a, an anesthetic before the final injection. And she says, yes, I know. That's why I'm here. So I put the dog down. I'm looking in her eyes. And I says, I'll see you in six months with a puppy.
2: <laughs> you knew three, she knew it was.
3: <laughs> three months later, the whole waiting room is full. This lady comes in. I don't even recognize her. I recognize the dog more than people. <laughs> and suddenly she yells, hey, Doc, Doc, What? You're a liar. Yeah, dog, 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 Don't that to, to all my clients here. She, <laughs> said, she says, it would be six months. Here, says, three months. And I got a pup.
2: you know things like that when they're not done yeah
3: yes (laughs) and and like i said yes they don't live as long as what we do but there are so many animals that need our help too Mm. and and especially with the pandemic i just read on my phone again that you know people were getting puppies and dogs with this pandemic yeah but now they got to go back to work (laughs) and now they can take care of them we got four dogs in the house, 600 pounds of dog, to be honest with you. Oh, wow. Diane and I are both working, but the dogs stay at home, and we make sure that we get there at noon, and we are with them for half an hour, an hour, and we leave again. And then at night, they're always with us. So, yes, these dogs are happy. And just because you have to go back to work doesn't mean you have to get rid of the dog. Yeah. You know, Yes, make sure that the dog knows that you're coming back yeah. when you're going away. So before you go back to work, take, no, you know, put the dog in the house and you know, some little ones have to be in the cage, maybe in order to be safe or you know, not to get in mischief, but go away, go away for five minutes, come back, go away for an hour, come back, go away for three hours and come back. Yeah. So that dog knows, yes, I may be alone now, but he's coming back. Yeah. And that's how you can actually train your dog to accept that yes, I'm going to be alone for some time but I'll be back.
2: That's <laughs> that's exactly the first thing that our vet told. Now she knew that we were, you know, dog yeah. owners for life, but when we got our our most recent puppy which we got in October, she said, you know, eventually you're not going to be spending 24 hours a day with her so
1: yeah. leave
2: her in the crate right away for a couple hours. Yes head out, come back, get yes. her used to being alone. See, and great minds. <laughs> I know. Well, what's amazing now is I go for even like a, a, I even go anywhere near where we keep her treats and she heads right into the crate and just sits and looks and, and she's ready to go. Like yeah. she's up yeah. there now and it's perfect. Yeah. And and yeah. she's been, we, we've, you know, it's kind of trial by, you know, you learn as you go. And yeah, I but, think, yeah, it's yeah. important. We, we got her as a puppy and and it, it it's good to just let her know she could be alone.
3: Yes. And exactly. that, that, that
2: to us is very Thank
3: important. Thank you. At, at least she told you and she's smart. Thank you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that same uh, company, I can't remember their name that makes those things that the dogs step on. This lady had one for when she went to work. And it was like set up with a little like iPad or laptop or something. <laughs> so the scream would come on. <laughs> And her and the dog would talk while she's at work. Oh, man. That's what made me laugh earlier.
3: Yes. Like, yeah, but that's, you know, that's what I mean. You know, dogs are not stupid. No. no. Uh, this, this, not. this is one of my saying. The longer I work with animals, the smarter they are getting.
1: <laughs> that's excellent. You know yeah. what broke my heart to find out how smart chickens are? Because I'm trying to quit eating meat again. And uh, one of my wife's friends it was – I think he was there at Emory University. My my wife worked with mountain gorillas in uh, Congo and Uganda.
3: Oh, my gosh.
1: With uh, gorilla doctors. They're the vets that treat the mountain gorillas. Anyway, this guy was here in Atlanta, and he was telling her about these chickens. Like they learned how to punch a four-digit code into a keypad.
3: To get more food. To,
1: to get different things that they wanted. And they also said, you could drop a chicken in like a group of like a thousand chickens and it'll find its family like that. And I was like, wow, I got to stop eating chicken. <laughs> oh, no, they're so smart. <laughs>
2: Intelligence is delicious, Atil. It's not a big deal. Uh,
1: You say (laughs) that till the aliens get here. (laughs) We're not very intelligent,
0: so I think we'll be okay. We're safe. (laughs) The aliens are going to go right to the chicken.
1: (laughs) <laughs> stupid gross humans
2: <laughs> oh man that's great oh, yeah Do- doc i gotta ask you and you yes. know we've been talking about this quite a bit it seems like it's been like a recurring theme on the podcast but you know aging we all age we all tend to you know fight it or embrace it or what have you you have i i watched during we had uh february in in the northeast was just a sheet of ice we didn't yeah. have one day of Of good, you know, we couldn't, didn't see a blade of grass. And I'm watching you nonstop from morning till night. I'm on a pole marathon. And uh, I'll tell you, you, I, the thing I talked about the most was your youthful enthusiasm and vibrance and energy and you're just nonstop you have a broken leg and you have your uh uh, uh, you basically made a cart for your broken leg and you're wheeling around on a leg and a half and you're (laughs) you, you are able to stay young and stay vibrant and enthusiastic and every time you go into a room it's like you put on a that that new like you start over with every new patient yes Yes. You go home and you're working on a project in the yard and you're training your new puppy and you're, you're never stopping. You go now, teach children and it's just, I mean, you seem so full of like, you know, just youth. Like, youth. Yeah. Yes.
3: And you made me tired. No, but I, <laughs> I enjoy life. But, but you know, well, you work with film and everything. They're yeah. getting up to a hundred hours of taping a week and use 40 minutes.
2: Yeah, True. Don't tell me you're sleeping the rest of the time. No,
3: no. (laughs) But like I said, they're taping. So yes, what what you see is just a little bit. Mm -hmm. But my brother once said, if your work is your hobby, you never work a day in your life. And my hobby is helping animals. And I've said many times, veterinary medicine is a service-related business. You help that dog get better, So the people are happy yeah. and the show is doing the same thing. People say, how long are you going to do the show? I have no idea because this, we have had so many fan letters from people now, especially with this pandemic. Oh, can thank goodness, because, you know, you were the only one that only show that we watched because we were laughing and you know, Mm -hmm. it's so real that kept us saying, and huh, why? I don't know. I'm just doing my work, and they're filming it. But yes, the show is real, and I think this is what makes the difference. Where what you see in our show is real. I say many times when we get kicked in the show, it hurts. <laughs> yeah, yeah but when you live
1: in like the the little uh, virtual world, your little phone, or yeah, I'm on a laptop yeah. right now, or an iPad, or whatever you're on, like. It's, it warps you. I mean, it, it warps your sense of reality. And so when you see somebody in there giving you that perspective, the contrast of like such real life stuff, I hope it makes people just like go walk outside and like, you know, look yeah. at the, we have ducks here on a little lake and just even the ducks, like we stop everything and we go out with the kids and yes. see. We have some new baby ducks too, which is oh, yeah,
3: is Ned. Yeah, oh, yeah, no. you know, yes. The, uh, that little lake that we have, we have uh, a couple of geese, but we have a whole bunch of snapping turtles in there too. Oh, nice. Yeah. No, not nice because, well, you know, we had Canadian geese and then one time the, you see eight little goslings floating around and the next day they're all gone because those snapping turtles will come right from the bottom. <whistles> gotcha.
2: Pull them right so, under.
3: Pull them right under.
2: Wow, like a horror so, movie.
3: <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, and uh, so yes, we have geese. So I collect the eggs, put them in an incubator. So I have, you know, four little goslings that I have to take out of too. And yes, those little animals are so cute. They just, <laughs> but that's how God made every young animal is cute. Yes, Maybe not snakes, true. but you know, <laughs> that's, you know the same whether they're big or small. But uh, no, you know, they're cuter uh, than the big ones. Yes, we, they are. We just
1: had a little one in our pool. I was like, "Dad, there's a snake in there," and I didn't see it. It was so teeny. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, it's kind of cute," but I think it was poisonous. I just noticed something red on it, or something like that.
3: Yeah, <laughs> but yes, like I said, you know, young animals are just pretty, and mm. right now it's springtime, so yes, there's a whole bunch of new colts and new calves, and yeah, we try to keep them healthy.
2: That's that that springtime rejuvenation feeling. It is is. a very very beautiful time in in every year, Um, and you get to work with your wife and and your son and your daughter in law and and the whole crew. And I mean, it's really great to have that family business and watch you guys watching you. How long have you and your wife been? So now it's nineteen seventy was when you got
3: nineteen seventy. I graduated nineteen seventy one. I started working. Yeah, and it. 1981, we started our practice here. So, we've been working together for 40 years.
1: That's wow.
3: Yeah, I mean, to
2: some that's a nightmare, but you guys seem (laughs) to to totally get along.
3: Yeah. No, she does. She's in the office, and I'd always tell you, yeah, she's the boss. She tells me where to go all the time. Because we, you know, we on the radio, we have two-way radios, and uh, that was before we had cell phones. Mm-hmm. So yes, you know, we were on the road and calling in when we we're done with a farm call and go to the next one. Then suddenly, oh no, you gotta go here because there's the calfing. So yes, we were always told where to go on the radio by uh, that Diane.
2: <laughs> that is one of the best parts of watching the yes. shows with seeing you two guys together. Thank you. And Thank do you, you. F- do you feel like you've learned also? Uh, and we don't, don't want to take up too much of your time here today, but um, have you learned about the human uh, experience? through spending so much time with these animals? Do you feel like you've picked up some
3: tips from, from these four-legged creatures? Yes. The main thing is treat others like you want to be treated.
1: Be nice.
3: Be nice. Yeah. You know, and that, ha- that is that, that everywhere. You know, I treat others like I want to be treated. And, and this is when people come in with their animals, I ask them, okay, this is your animal. And some people say, yes, you know, I, you know, but I've had it but they didn't have any money and the dog came in with a broken leg. And I still want to help the healthy animal. And so this is another thing that I say if you can't sell them a Cadillac, sell them a Ford, yeah. they'll get there. So, yes, even if you cannot do everything the way it's supposed to be done for the animal. There are other ways to help that animal, to make the people happy again. Right.
2: Yeah. And you take time to go educate even children nearby too.
3: I want people to know what my diagnosis is, why I'm treating that way, and what the outcome will be. Because if they know, then they're... Compliance with the treatment that you sent home is so much better.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. If they know. And see, see, when I was a kid, I was the youngest of six. One of my favorite things was why. Why? And my <laughs> brothers would get mad at me. Shut up. It does. <laughs> yes. And I want to know why. Well, that still sticks with me. So, yes, I have taught the farmers why I'm doing this. And many times, they'll they'll pick it up. You know, yeah. uh, case in point, one of the clients that we still have, uh, when I came here, there were some older veterinarians here. And he calls up, he has a lame cow. And I'm getting there, and he says, yeah, this cow is lame. He says, it's probably in the hip, isn't it? Probably have to ship her out. I said, no, that's in the foot. So I just, you know, hoist the foot up. And I start carving and the post runs out and he says, huh? I've never seen that before. Well, six months later, he does it himself, which is fine. Yeah. You know, but as long, I taught him how to do it. So when there was a lame cow, you know, I don't have to come out and do it. He can do that himself. It's a, it's simple to do. Hmm. So yes, this is how I taught people. Yeah. But then again, I tell him, Hey, don't you treat that cow for two or three days thinking you have the right diagnosis when she doesn't respond, you know, because yeah, then I can't do anything either.
1: It's too late. And it's too late.
3: Right, it's too yeah. late.
2: <laughs> you know, yeah, a- I did
1: that with my son, actually. He's like six, but I would always tell him things, you know, do this or don't do that. And uh, he just got very frustrated with me. And so I sat down with him one day. I said, You know, if I ever tell you to do something, you're always allowed to ask me why. Uh-huh. And I'll explain it to you. Yeah.
3: And like, how? it's fine
1: if you want to just skip that and do what I said. But <laughs> <laughs> if you I usually have a reason, like I'm not just trying to jerk you around. And it was funny to see him like actually get it. And he did it one day too. You know, I said something yep. he was like, why? And I, yep. so I had to explain yes. it.
3: Yes. Yes. <laughs> but but that's that's how you learn. Yeah, yeah. At least and, he and knew like, you like said, I'm
1: not just being a bully or whatever. No.
3: No. No, and that's just what, said, do it. No, no. Tell why do I have to do this? Well, <laughs> this is how and why. And you know. But that's how it goes with animals too, you know? Yeah.
2: And it's there's simples. Charles behind you. There's my like son. That, it's time to go. Time man. to go to work. <laughs> Wrap it up. <laughs> Hi Charles. Nice to see you. Um <laughs> no, you know, it's it's when when I when my I lost my, my dog to the hemangiosarcoma, which is blood vessel cancer. Yes. And she was uh, a Mastiff mix and about a hundred pounds, beautiful brindle. And I scratched her under her belly. And the minute I touched her belly, she winced and squealed and pulled back and we brought her to the vet. And after a scan, they found that her spleen was riddled with tumors and it needed to come out right away. And then they sent a piece of the spleen off and found out that it was blood vessel cancer. So the cancer was just rapidly spreading everywhere. And the thing that I really appreciated about the the bedside manner or the honesty vulnerability of our vet was that she said you 're going to be uh you know try, if if I send you to an oncologist they're going to try to sell you chemo, but chemotherapy in dogs is not the same as chemotherapy in people; it just prolongs the inevitable and let 's talk about the dog's quality of life here and yes. your quality and it was yes. so nice to hear. She knew it's not what I wanted to hear, but it's no. what I needed to hear. Yes. And, and that made our end of my dog's time here with us that much more valuable. So instead of her throwing up lethargic from chemo that was just going to give her another two weeks, I brought yes. her to the beach and fed her steak and talked Except, to her and said, well, like, thank you for being you know yes. my friend.
3: Well, one of the first, no, one of the days that we had here was Mason, and he came from the city, never been off-leash. So we had him here, and we turned him loose, and he looks at us. You mean I can go outside by myself? <laughs> and the minute he was outside rolling in the grass, and wow. Charles went to California, and we found something wrong with the dog. So we had run some tests, and she had leukemia. So we told Charles, Mason has leukemia, come back. Charles comes here around March. And she says, he says, you know, there's nothing wrong with the dog. He took the dog to town in the car because she loved to ride in the car. Fed her a Big Mac and all that stuff. And she says, there's nothing wrong with it. She says, Charles, inevitable. Mm-hmm. But we kept her happy that way. Honestly, you know, that dog got anything for the last month or so. We had a birthday party for everything. She had cake and ice cream on Sunday. Wow. Monday, she crashed, completely uh, gone. Monday yeah. night, I had to put her down. Man. And, and yeah. that's, Yes. Yeah. You know, Stella and
2: that's, told us, too. Just like you said earlier, uh, Stella yeah. kind of looked at – we knew. We knew. She yes. would, She couldn't get herself comfortable on the couch. No. She was up. She was down. And we yep. said, that's it. That's it. You and know, that happened
1: we, with my wife's dog. Y'all remind me because uh, she was in Africa for like a year. And the oh. dog her, – her dog from college that she had had since it was a puppy – died literally like 24 hours before she got home oh, but no. the way i found out was i was trying to uh i was taking it for a walk and there was a little lake by the house where we lived in that neighborhood uh, in georgia and he sat down and for some reason i realized he was taking like a last look at the lake and wow. i was
3: like yeah
1: whoa i mean it really freaked me out well i immediately i let him like relax for a minute and then i like picked him up and took him to the vet and they and they examined him they said he's got tumors everywhere
3: well at least at at least you saw what that dog was doing that means you're in tune with your animals too
1: well, and yeah. I was like, not a dog person at all. I was like, you no. left, and went to Africa, and left me with these two dogs. Blah, but you're blah, blah. a compassionate yeah.
2: person and you're in yeah. yeah,
1: it was yeah. so, you could see it. Yeah. yeah. And he, he kind of sighed, he went.
3: Yeah, exactly. And I was like,
1: what? Wait, no, 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 no. Jess is going to be home in two days. Like, I just knew it was weird, man. But yeah. he told me yeah. by doing
2: yeah. that.
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: They definitely That's- know. Yes. Yeah.
3: And well, like I said, they are not afraid to die. One of yeah, my colleagues, you know, one of my colleagues had three dogs, all rescues, and she kicks them out at night, and two of them come back, and the third one never did. It was an old dog. They never found her. He walked away, and this yeah. is what these dogs will do: they walk yeah. away, find a place, put their head in their side, and die. Yeah. And they know. And yes of course there are other predators that probably will finish them up and all that stuff but
1: circle of life
3: yes circle of life yeah, yeah.
1: they're not afraid
3: they're no. not afraid to die and and this is what sometimes you see where people just hang on and like you said i don't want to do chemo on an animal either because my son-in-law died of pancreatic cancer and he was on chemo for two years and there was not a good day in his life right. and and it's that you don't want to do it to an animal Keep them pain-free, keep them happy, and they'll let you know when it's time.
2: If we can only do that for humans, too. <laughs>
3: That's
1: what I was thinking. That's I mean, it's, when
2: so, yeah, it's yeah. me, too. My, my, yes. wife, my wife is in healthcare, and, and we talk about it a lot, how if anything were to happen to either of us, what we would want. You know, we've had to have that conversation. Oh, yeah. And, it's, yeah. and it's, it, I, I, I think about that, where it's like yeah. I, I had a relative who died of bone cancer when I was young, an uncle. Yeah, and, I mean, he couldn't even get himself out of a chair without a, an arm bone breaking or a hip bone. And
3: my father was like, the same way. It's like at yeah. some
2: point, it's like we have to think about his quality. What we do this for animals, what how come we can't yeah. do this well, for humans?
3: That's yeah. see, if you start, we're getting you, into a different topic here. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's and another like show. It. That's no. another show. Yeah, but no, we have a mind, and as long as the mind is good, yes, but at the right. same yeah. time, you can also say, hey, do not revive.
2: Yes. That's right. Yes. You're right. You're you're right. right. Yeah. That's what and, I have. And, I, and
3: I've seen it where you, you know somebody had a stroke and completely out but yes you can put them on IVs and keep them alive.
2: Yeah.
3: And that's not worth it. Right. You
2: know, right. at
3: the same time, you know, if you have a stroke and you know you're old enough and everything, you had a good life. That's actually how what happened to Diane's mother who said I do not want to be in a nursing home. Yeah. And yes, I don't know. She was in the hospital for something. And they called me up that she had fallen and hurt her face. When I saw her, I told her that's a massive stroke. Completely yeah. like this. And I told Diane, she says, What are we gonna do? Nothing.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: And she was gone in 48 hours. or no 24 hours. Jeez. She died peacefully. Right. And good, that's what good. that's yes. But let's well, uh, control the pain. We have all these drugs. And we can control pain. I think that's the main thing. Absolutely. Okay.
2: This has been incredible, Doc, and yeah. and thank <laughs> you so much. I mean, really, I mean for everything. And and You're and thank you welcome. to Charles for bringing up the idea of doing a show because <laughs> I'm learning yeah. yes. quite a bit about animals and being a human all through you. So yes. tell tell everybody one one more time the book. Don't turn ne- your back okay. on an Angus no, cow.
3: Never turn your back on an Angus cow. It's available on the dot It's available. At Amazon. And yes.
2: Excellent. Do you do an audiobook version?
3: Uh, it is an audio. It was an audio but before it uh, was in print.
2: Oh, fantastic. Yes. The okay, biggest great.
3: problem is uh, it came out I don't know how many years ago. And it, uh, this David Fisher from New York, he was the co author. He came and uh, he, we sat and talked for I don't know how many days. He had 25 hours of taping. He says that's enough for the book. So he, you know, that co-wrote it, and it came in audio, and it was right on the bestseller list. But then I think Penguin got sold out to something else, and they quit advertising for the book, and it kind of got lost in between. Yeah. But yes, now with all the people that are watching the show, that book is just picking up again. So good, up.
2: good, good, good. But good. yes, we'll- it
3: it tells everything how how everything happened.
2: Good. I can't wait nice to read book. it. I'm very excited about it. Go for it. Thank it. you. It's a pleasure, sir. And please keep thank it you. up. Same here. And thank you for joining us. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you thank next you. time. Yep.
3: Bye-bye.
1: Osiris.